Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 135 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Atnip. I'm in the host chair today with my colleagues, James Cook and Andrew Rosenthal, out in Traverse City after a beautiful weekend when baseball came back for the second time. And we got some good news on Friday from the MHSAA. So we're in good spirits here at the Get Around. We have a great episode for you guys today. We have, for the second time in as many months, MHSAA Assistant Director Cody English joining us here on the podcast to go through all of the guidelines that have been released in the last three or four days by the MHSAA on the return to sports in the fall. We're going to go ahead and dive into that interview with Cody, and then we're going to talk about that after the fact and give you our analysis on exactly what's going to go down and how we see this plan working out. That'll come after the interview. In our trifecta today, we're going to talk about the professional sports championships. Like I said, we're in positive spirits here today, so we're going to figure out or we're going to guess, I guess is the way to go, who wins the MLB, NBA, and NHL tournaments. We're going to leave the NFL out of it for now because they're still a couple months away, and uh, everybody else kind of starts the next week or so. So we're going to talk about that, and uh, we're going to dive in right here at the beginning to talk about some of the Pittsburghers baseball that has restarted, rejuvenated. James was there, so we're going to go ahead and dive into that right after I let you know. This is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak, yeah. Gentlemen, go ahead and say hello to the people. I know I just went on a ramble to start this episode, but welcome, welcome. Hello? Am I still in this room? <laughs> Maybe. That's an existential question for the mind. Are we doing this podcast remotely? No. Um, Not yet. Not yet, but it might have to happen soon. We might be. We will have Cody on remotely, though, so make sure you stick around for that, that, that telephone call, but... So yeah, gentlemen, let's go ahead and get started right now. James, after a two-week hiatus, we saw a few games from the Northwoods League, a two-week hiatus, we went through this whole thing. We went and got tested for COVID after all this, but you went ahead and took the chance, went right back out to the ballpark, because just like everybody else, you were ready to see it happen again. You were out there last night and got to see the new look Traverse City pod. I mean, there's a lot of changes that have happened in the last two weeks. Let's run through some of those. What, what, what happened over there at Turtle Creek Stadium? Yeah, it was a lot of changes. Uh, I, I didn't take too much risk, though. I just pretty much uh, took some photos of the of the uh, sparse crowd from the press box, and uh, I was gonna go take pictures from the dugout, and then I decided, maybe I'm not gonna do that. And uh, better so, safe than sorry on that. Route. So yeah, so I just kind of chickened out that way. I did go down on the on the field after the game and interviewed Josh Rebant and uh, Tito Flores. They had masks on and everything, so it's all good. But yeah, I mean, let's talk about the teams. That's what's way different. That's what that's what the big thing is. I know we kind of reported this last week, but. We didn't know how it was all going to shake out, who was going to be where, and what this would look like, but we know it's the Pittsburghers and the Resorters. Doom Bears are gone, but we didn't really know how these players were going to get shifted. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, basically anybody who was on the Doom Bears is gone. Almost everybody, yeah. They, they kept like three of the Doom Bears players and put them on the Resorters. Fourteen of the Resorters players are back, including all three of the local players, Joey Muzlakovich, Brett Zimmerman, and, and Cooper Peterson. Our last three guests on the last three podcasts, if you want to hear from them. Yep. And then they have 18 new players from all colleges all over the country. Um, a lot of small programs, smaller programs, I think, um, aside from a catcher from Virginia Tech that uh, is on the team. And then uh, the Pittsburghers roster is remarkably unchanged. I mean, basically the only changes to it were that they moved two players over to the resorters because they hadn't gotten tests back from a few guys and they needed two guys to fill in. They needed a starting pitcher and they needed a third baseman. So they moved Christian Faust over to play third base and they moved Trenton Wood over to start against Andrew Hoffman. And that's just, that didn't work out too well. That's just temporary though, right? 
That was just for yeah, the game. Yeah, that was just for that game. That was just for that game. So Wood, that, Wood actually pitched pretty decently, but he went up against Andrew Hoffman, who struck out six in three innings and just looked like he hadn't been off for two weeks. Did you did you get a chance to uh, talk to them and see if that is the situation and how they're going to fill the rest of this timeout? If like, are they going to be bringing more new guys into the fold, or is this like it? Yeah, there was they had, they had just added five guys to the roster like that morning, like they that had passed their second test and were activated to the roster. You know, and a couple of those played in the game, and you could kind of tell uh, there were some. There were some players that were a bit rusty and stuff, but they're supposed to add like another five, six, seven, eight guys over the next day but or those two guys are as all, well. But they're all already here. My point being is that four weeks from now, if there's five guys who are down with coronavirus, are they bringing in new guys or are they just going to like fill from the pit spitters so games can continue to happen? I would hazard to guess that on a temporary basis, they would fill with the pit spitters until they could get new guys in. You know, because there's enough guys. I mean, there's 30 some, I think, or so on the on the pit spitters, about 30. Well, and there's 35 on the the resorters. Well, my big thing is that we have about five and a half weeks left of this before the season's over. With regardless, mm-hmm. you need two weeks when you get here before you can even play. You got to test twice. Like it still takes you a, at least a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. There's really not time for you that get, anymore. You got to test once before you leave wherever it is you are coming from, and then you have to test a second time once you get here. And get it back. But they have kind of a rapid setup setup kind of done where you get the test done here. They drive it to Grand Rapids that day and get it done and get the test results back pretty quickly. Oh, so they like hand deliver it themselves. That's how you mm-hmm. have to get quick COVID results. Yep. But yeah, so Pittsburghers won. Pittsburghers won 6 nothing. I think the first thing that you said to me when you saw me today was, I think the Pittsburghers are going to have a good record by the end of this season. Well, yeah, because it's the same team. They're not only they gonna be familiar with each other, but it's you know it's the original team that they put together that they thought was going to be the best team they could put together, and you know, no offense to any of these guys on those orders, but it's kind of cobbled together. And you know, some of these guys played on Sunday night after just getting activated that morning or the day before. The resorters literally had a practice at midnight on Saturday. Oh wow. Man, we should have covered that, but then again, obviously, would never win anywhere. But that's cool, just to make sure that everybody had like just to get in a, a just, swing just, of things just again. so somebody guys could get yeah get in a practice before playing a game on Sunday. Now, with an updated schedule and everything, how does that look? What does it look like with only two teams? How many days a week are they playing? I just kind of want to give everybody a rundown as this restarts. Exactly what we should expect over the next six weeks of baseball. And this, the schedule is pretty much exactly like it was before. This the same days off. And, and everything, there's one game that's a, a day game rather than a night game. I think it's a Saturday game later in the season. Um, but aside from that, everything is, if you took what the original schedule was and took out the games that had already been played and canceled and layered it over the new schedule, it's the exact same thing. It's just that, that blue color for the Duden Bears is off the schedule, and now it's just green and red yeah. back and forth on who's the home team. Huh? And, and I noticed a bunch of the other teams in the Northwoods League um, played doubleheaders yesterday. A bunch of a bunch of teams played doubleheaders. There was like twelve games played on Sunday afternoon in the Northwoods League. There's also one new pod in the in the Northwoods League too. Where at? So yeah, so I mean, you had the Michigan pod, which is the North and the South. There's the Minnesota Iowa pod now that has Mankato, Rochester, Saint Cloud, Waterloo, and Wilmar. And that's it, the one that just started. That's another. Well, no, that that's been going for like these teams have like fifteen games in. Um, there's the North Dakota pod that's been going for a while as well, and then the Wisconsin pod, which has an East and a West too, and then there's now there's a Kenosha pod, and those two teams have only played five games, so that one's 
really new. Kenosha's Wisconsin, I thought. It's just two teams in Kenosha. Yeah, the, not, the, the Kenosha Kingfish, which was a, yeah. must maybe maybe the town of Kenosha didn't get passed or opened up as early as the other ones, so they couldn't be part of the the Wisconsin pod or something. I, I don't know how or why, but then so they, it looks like they created one of their own new teams too, called the K Town Bobbers. The Bobbers. The Bobbers. They're, they're big fish people down there. You think? Well, the the, the, the Kenosha team is the Kingfish. Yeah, I know. So it's it's already saying. a fishing think, theme. So you think they're big fishers down there? Huh? Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the reason why I said the, that North Dakota-Iowa pod, that had to have started well after July 1st or on July 1st, even though they had 15 games, that, that was not part of the original plan, and that came after their second wave of plans as well because I hadn't heard that before. I really didn't pay attention to that one. Yeah, I think they did start later than the other pods, but I think they've also been playing a lot of doubleheaders. I think that's one of the ones that's been playing a bunch of doubleheaders. I don't see a Because double- those teams have... 15 games in. I don't see doubleheaders working for the Pittsbitters in almost any way, shape, or form. With two teams playing each other every day, tossing two games, that is just... They would maybe, need a lot more players. Maybe the day before your day off, but that's about it. Yeah, or your day after or something, yeah, maybe. I, maybe. You know, I don't know. But, yeah, I guess Sunday afternoon doubleheader, if you had Mondays off or something like that, that'd be kind of cool. I just don't see you it know. working with only two teams. Yeah, unless you had, like, 40 players on each team or something, and you could almost basically trot out two completely different teams in both games. I mean, even with just a couple games under our belts, we're still excited to see, you know, baseball in general. I know they're going to be hyper-vigilant about this at this point. I know they already were, but I'm pretty sure that if this shuts down again, it's over with, right? If they have to, you know... If, if something gets bad enough, I think, then yeah. If we have another cluster I mean, like I that, know. I would say, like I said... We're getting into the point where the timetable is getting very, very short. Because, I mean, the, the thing about Summer Paul is that it has to have a finite end date. You know, it's not like with MLB or the NBA or anything is done where they're like, oh, yeah, like we're just going to start July 31st and then whenever the, you know, the last game ends and, you know, whatever. You know, they can kind of do that. No, all these kids, basically September 4th, have to be done. Yeah, because they got to be back to school. Yeah. We, we saw how they ran into that problem in the playoffs last year where they had so many players that were gone. You know, Andrew Hoffman had to move his start up a couple of days so that he could start and then go away to college, you know, left for the rest of the, the playoffs for college. And, and the, the playoffs last year were earlier than the ones this year. Yeah. That, that's going to be kind of an issue, I think, down the road when you had the playoffs. But a decent amount of these uh, guys that they brought in um, are, are guys from smaller Michigan colleges. You know, there's guys from Davenport. Um, you know, there was already guys on the roster from CMU, yeah. Michigan, Michigan what State. Like Kalamazoo College you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a, I think there's a Kellogg okay. Community College guy on the team. They keep announcing Mario Cavalletti now is since from Michigan University, so he must have transferred from Oakland. He did. So, but, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a few more Michigan College guys now than there were before, and I think maybe that's part of it, is that they won't have a big travel so they can stick around for the playoffs. Well, I definitely hope this keeps on going. I'll be back in the game sometime this week, I'm sure. Maybe next week. But, yeah, I don't want to make this front segment too long because I know everybody really wants to hear from Cody over at the MHSAA. We had a great conversation with him and kind of ran through the release that they had on Friday. We talk about exactly what their plans are, kind of these steps until uh, things have to change and why they are running with all sports as scheduled. So let's go ahead and give a listen to that interview now. The Get Around Podcast is excited to welcome back Cody Inglis, the assistant director from the MHSAA for the second time in what seems like a very short amount of time, but we're glad to have you back, Cody, to discuss exactly what's going on with uh, high school sports here in Michigan. 
Glad to be here, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I know that there's been a lot of developments in the last six days. I know it's been developments for you every day over the last hundred or so days. But especially with the public, there's been a lot of developments, and you guys have released guidelines for athletes, athletic directors, coaches, parents, to kind of give them some sense of you know normalcy or at least give them a little bit of hope to look forward to. First of all, I know that we talked about a lot on this podcast the first time exactly what you guys plan to do. And just before we even get into questions, I'll preface this to our, our listeners that you know the plan itself didn't really change too much as to what the options were. More or less, you guys kind of gave us the clear guidance on the order of operations and what has to happen in order for fall sports to happen. So just to begin with, what was the purpose of doing this right now when we still don't really know if school's going to be in person or really what the full extent of this is until opening day on August 10th? Yeah, I think that's a, the point of our, our clarification last week was to try to get some semblance of normalcy, as you said, to our parents, our kids, our schools, our athletic directors, so that they could start planning and start planning for what could be. And I think that's the purpose of what we released. Because very honestly, over the last six weeks since I've last been on with you, we've tried to put everything. It's almost like throwing darts at a wall and seeing what's every contingency under the sun. We've tried to try to see if it will work and trying to be creative, to be honest, and mm-hmm. trying to make sure that we could, what could happen if, what could happen if. And you want to know a, a quick way to drive yourself crazy is keep doing that. Um, I'm sure. And it just it's the what ifs that kill you. It's just the what ifs and the, the not knowing. And and so we wanted to try to say to schools, if you really get down to the crux of the conversation, it's ultimately taking an option off the table. And that option was the one that was most radical in most people's minds, which was the flip of spring and fall seasons. Mm-hmm. And there were certainly some reasons to consider it, including the fact that the governor and Governor Whitmer described it as something that was very intriguing to her. Mm-hmm. So anytime the, the governor uh, takes an interest in high school sports, you want to make sure that you're at least uh, doing your due diligence on that topic. And that's what we did. Ultimately, we took that option off the table after really thoroughly going in through it. It just wasn't the right move for yeah, our schools. I'm, it wasn't the right for, move for us. Yeah, that kind of sounds like, I mean, we talked about it here the first time around. And while it seemed like obviously radical, that seems like it's just, that, that's, that's so many moving parts when it comes down to the whole flip-flop, especially with the the chance and a lot of the athletic directors that i spoke to after the release was you know the big thing about that is you know there's still a chance that fall sports you know do not get played or you know they get postponed until the spring what are you going to back you know a spring season that did just get fully canceled up against another spring season that could be canceled again and then just put fall in the spring that just didn't make sense for for you guys opportunity wise right absolutely you're talking about kids and student athletes the reason why we do what we do and, and you're, you're going, to, with your decision to potentially do that, you would impact kids and their ability to play a sport. Last spring when we had to cancel that, it was one of the most heartbreaking times for us as an association, for me personally, for a lot of people, because you had to cancel something that was so big for kids. And to do that potentially again because of a decision that you ultimately have control over was something that ultimately was our guiding directive that we couldn't go with. Well, yeah, I, I guess you were forced into that situation the first time. As long yeah. as you, you would rather have control over the situation as long as you can. Now, what, yeah. one of the, one of the ways that I kind of looked at this, and I guess we'll lay it out real quick for our listeners, is you know basically the first the first rung is you know we plan on having fall sports starting as scheduled. The first the first rung would be postponing some or all sports for a temporary amount of time until they could be played. Second step would be 
either moving certain sports to the spring and letting the ones that are more low risk be able to play out or possibly modify those schedules. And then at the very end, if we could not play, you guys would move everything to the spring and kind of recombobulate a, a weird schedule for that six months of 2021. <laughs> right. So now yeah. just let's talk about that, that, that possibility. I want to get into the postponements first. I want to kind of run down the list with you guys. So hopefully we all get there. August 10th is the first start date for football practice. August 12th is the rest of our fall sports. We get to that point, and it goes gravy. We will all be happy. But first step is postponement. Just what you guys have looked at. Is this – are you guys doing this in couple-week increments? Is it per sport? Is it like, hey, if we're going to postpone, we're going to go two weeks, three weeks, a month? What has been the option for that first contingency plan? Well, I think that uh, that ultimately the desire, as you said, is to play everything on August 10th and August 12th and start that and see how it goes. Ultimately, we could have a couple things that occur. One, we could get started and have to delay or put the pause button on. That wouldn't be the best, but it would at least give us an opportunity to get things started and see where we're at. Ultimately, then, if we push the pause button, when do we resume those things? How do we resume them? And what sports do we resume? Meaning, the way that sports medicine community has defined our activities and our fall sports are by risk level. And... To be honest, all sports aren't created equal, as you well know, meaning that sports like golf, tennis, potentially cross country, don't have the same risk factors as football, boys soccer, volleyball, and even swim dive Mm -hmm. in the fall. And so those decisions could be, if the pause button was placed, was pushed, could be sport by sport, Mm -hmm. very honestly. And that's something that is, again, causes a little bit of, a little bit of concern because now you've got some athletes going, but others not. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if we have to push the pause button, we would most likely be in a, uh, in a mode that we want to get anything in. Yeah. And, and, and anybody does. So if that meant, hey, we could just play golf, girls golf and, and tennis in the fall, you know what? So be it. If that means cross country is in there too in some modified version, sure, let's do that. Uh, ultimately, those things would, that's kind of the, continuum that you talk about mm-hmm. our first is fall in the fall our second is uh if we have to pause we'll pause and delay a little bit our third would be play certain sports and not others our fourth would be let's push everything back until we can play them safely yeah. in some sort of spring one and spring two season for example yeah and i know that'll obviously be a weird conglomeration i just wanted to ask just before we get into anything else with those lower risk sports when it comes to like girls golf that is normally a fall sport but there's like boys golf say that is normally a spring sport. If we, you guys were a okay to do those low risk sports, would you ever com- like consider switching just like low risker sports that you know will be able to get played just to kind of get them out of the way? Or I think that ultimately we we took that option off the table when we set no spring sports in the fall. Meaning it, it goes back to the same thing we just talked about. Ultimately, if you were to move boys golf to the fall, now you've put schools in a difficult position because let's be honest, the school might have to hire a coach. You're going to force athletes that may be, let's say, a tennis player and a golfer to have to choose which sport they're going to play if you did that mm-hmm. sport by sport. So even with with not a complete flip of spring and fall, even if you go sport by sport, you're going to cause some problems. And that's just not a, a, something that we want to do right now. We, we feel like the better option if we had to delay would be to modify our seasons and shorten them in smaller increments 
in the spring mm-hmm. and play it that way. How much uh, during all of this have you paid attention to what other states have been doing? In the last week or so, there's been three or four states that have kind of come down and, and put their plans out, and they're all a little bit different. But how much have you guys been paying attention to that at the MHSAA? You know, it's, that's a, it's a great question, James. It's something that we do daily. I mean, there's two things that we do daily. One, to see if Governor Whitmer's talking, to see how that might impact us. Two, it's to contact our, our states and, and other state associations that do the same thing we do. The fact is there are only 51 other or 50 other with the District of Columbia associations that do this. And when states associations like New Mexico and Virginia and then just today, California, determine that they're going to modify their sports seasons and adjust them or move them back, that causes some some real headlines within our world and creates the questions about what will Michigan do. Each state is is unique in various ways, including culture, including climate, which is key in those three states that I just mentioned, as well as how they're structured. And ultimately, some states are governed by their state government. Michigan is not that. The MHSA is a voluntary, nonprofit, private association. So we have been given a little bit of latitude by our governor to determine what might work best for high school sports. And so because of that, we're able to make sure that our member schools are up to date on things and also get a little bit of a clarity from other states. The decisions that Michigan is going to make are going to be less about what California and New Mexico do and more about what Ohio and Indiana and Wisconsin and Illinois do, to be very honest. The Big Ten footprint is going to be key for us. So when you hear one of those four states announce something, that's going to be a little bit of a precursor to potentially what the MHSA in Michigan would do with high school sports. Now, I've, I kind of do feel, I, I've heard a little rumblings from Ohio, and I've, I've heard a couple rumblings from Indiana and such, but I, now, I mean, I do feel as if Michigan, or the MHSAA, was one of the first in the Midwest to kind of push this stance forward and do that. Was that intentional by you guys to kind of set the tone in the region, or was that more or less like you just felt like the people in Michigan needed answers? I, I think, a, uh, very honestly, it's about communication. One of the things that, that Mark Yule, our executive director, does so well is just communicate and is transparent about things. And if, if we lose transparency with our schools, then we shouldn't be doing the jobs we're in, very honestly. We have to be upfront with our schools and let them know exactly where we're at. And that was the whole purpose of any communication. But we also need to have accurate communication. So we're going to share with schools where we're at that moment in time and and go from there. And, and I think there's the one positive that I would tell you that I can absolutely hang my hat on that's come out of COVID has been this tremendous amount of we're in this together. Mm-hmm. We're going to get through this. And oh, what can, you, can we do to help? Can you bounce ideas on us? So I think our schools understand that. Our schools have been very supportive of us in terms of that. And that's just because we've tried to be very strong communicators in that area. Some of the other states, very honestly, have, have struggled in this area. Uh, Ohio, for example, had to change their executive director through the middle of this COVID crisis, which is a huge challenge uh, in this. And so there are some changes is difficult, as we know, and, and through COVID has certainly thrown us all into a change. Yeah, how difficult would that be with Ohio's situation? I mean, the, the new guy there takes over, I think, the first week in August. So obviously the outgoing guy doesn't want to make any huge decisions and throw something on the new guy's plate. Um, no, but at the same point, you know, uh, some people in Ohio are probably like, well, we want something. Can, right. we, can we do you're, something? You're right, and and I think it also goes back to my previous statement. Though Ohio's governor has been very strong in their reopening plan 
with athletics, both at the college and high school levels. Governor Whitner here in Michigan, I believe, has been strong, but she has entrusted us, which is a huge uh, responsibility for the MHSA to say it, it, we she trusts us to, to offer guidance to our schools about how to responsibly do this with some common sense with some care about student-athletes and, and making sure we do it the right way and not just go forward with things and say, we're just going to do this. We've got to do it the right way. Without some a, a captain at the helm, it, it's a difficult decision in my mind, and, and I'm not sure how you make that decision. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's why probably the governor has to do that in Ohio. And, and that's, it, it's no offense, but the, the experts in the field, the ones that do this and have done this for their whole lives, are the ones that should be making those decisions, mm-hmm. along with the medical professionals, more importantly than anything. What kind of communication have you guys been having with the state governments, even though you have the authority to make a decision? Like, as you described, what kind of talks have you had with, like, MDHHS and some of the doctors in Michigan? Yeah, well, we've been lucky a couple different ways. One, we have a sports medicine advisory committee uh, on which uh, the, the MHSA has, and, and we've been able to bounce ideas and quick research-based decisions medically about COVID off that group. Strong medical pediatric doctors in the state, things like our physical, uh, our, our pre-participation physical policy, which changed um, immediately in COVID, was able to be done immediately because we had a sports medicine advisory committee. The other thing is we've been able to tag team with the NFHS, the National Federation. And then finally, with the, the whole governor uh, announcement of the reopening and return to learn plan, we've been able to work with medical experts that way as well, because they've, been, again, entrusted us. We're not working in isolation here, bottom line. We're not going to make a decision without making sure that we have strong communication. I I struggle sometimes with the political nature uh, of what high school sports is, I would say I didn't know how much political it would be when you're talking about returning to learn, returning to play, and a lot of political back channels that need to be done and making sure that everybody knows so that there's no surprises. The first time people hear about this shouldn't be in the media uh, sometimes, to be honest. You've got to make sure that you've got to have that information. And we know that, that in this world of immediate news, that happens sometimes and, and you deal with it. But ultimately, we want to make sure, again, going back to transparency, that everybody knows what's up and we're not taking, we're not holding any secrets here. Going back hmm. to what we were talking about earlier with other states and their situations with sports, did you have this, like, did they have the similar concerns with switching football to the fall or moving some sports to the spring, some spring sports to the fall? Did they have some of the, some of the similar concerns that you listed earlier? You know, I think they did. There's no doubt in my mind. I, I think that, to be honest, a, a couple things happen. Number one, we are, the MHSA are strong proponents of multi-sport athletes. And this a decision of flipping the seasons or of putting a season on top of a season like California essentially did, if you look at their calendar, that flies in the face of multi-sport participation. And having kids be put in a difficult position, I think, was something that ultimately we considered. And then we came back and said, we can't do this. This isn't philosophically what we're about, and and that's the wrong way to go about it. I, I do also think that in California, New Mexico, even Virginia's case, they have the benefit of climate. L- let's be honest, mm-hmm. Southern California uh, doesn't really have a winter. Michigan has a winter. Uh, it's going to be tough in, in the upper peninsula of Michigan to play a fall sport if that had to be moved in March or April. I've been to Calumet mm-hmm. yeah. in March or April. Yeah. You're not yeah. playing 
a spring sport, let alone a fall sport, in, in Calumet or anywhere in the UP. Yeah. It's not happening. Or in Traverse City, where, as you guys know, I live for 20 years. That's not happening. Yeah, we did, we did about, like, May 1st before we're, like, we know that we're able to play spring sports up here. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so I that's think... a challenge. Climate, for us, is a huge challenge. And even if we were to go to spring one, spring two, we know we're going to have to elongate our season. And potentially, guys, we're talking about playing high school sports a year from now still to complete the 2021 school year season if we get started. With and then it's just going to be a rolling thing where what that's going to impact the start of the 2021 season, too. For Absolutely. Football. Yeah, it's it's like I like I read about uh, the NHL's plan. It's like they're not going to start hockey until December after they finish this season when they're starting in August. So. It's absolutely going to have a domino effect on everything and how that goes for us going forward will be interesting because I think that's a challenge, but it's also something we enjoy putting the puzzle pieces together to see how it fits. If we're able to get started, man, would that be cool. And now let's see how we can figure it out and make sure that it's the safe, sane thing to do for kids and not have go 24-7, 365. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying. I'm going to try to ask you a hypothetical, but if we just assume that nothing changes between now and the end of August, early September, when high school yeah. football is normally going to start, what does a football game look like? Is it going to be a restricted number of, you know, assuming yeah, that we're in the exact same phase that we are now? That's, is it going a, to be... that's a really good question, James. It, it's something that we are thinking about now. So now our job as directors in the office in charge of sports is we're looking at the how exactly your question we're trying to now provide some guidance to our schools and our coaches about how to open up so we've made the decision that we're playing with full fall sports now how do we do that what does a football game look like are there spectators are, are there spectators with two tickets per family at Thoroughly Field watching a Central West game? I, I can almost assure you from what I understand today medically and, and how we're returning the, the play guidance that I'm not sure that a football game like the Patriot game where you have potentially 10,000 people at Thoroughly Field is ever going to occur this fall. I, I, that's Cody Inglis's point and view right now, but mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't envision that having experienced that myself yeah. and the the jam-packed amount of people you have in Thurby Field, I can't imagine that occurring. Yeah, and I, or, I, I, or, I can't either at all. Mm-hmm. And, and so because of that, we now have to help our schools get some guys. Think about even a sport like cross-country. Even though they consider it low risk, think about a start line at a cross-country invitational, which you have all seen, with up to 300 kids on the line. Mm-hmm. And now you've got to somehow practice social distancing there. I'm not sure if a big, huge invitational like Portage Invite that many teams go to can can be done effectively mm-hmm. and safely. Social distancing. But you could so still do like conference. You could still do like conference, like local yeah, things. Yeah, I think you kinda. could do some 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 triangulars, some some conference meets. I think there's unique ways to run a cross country race, much like uh, a cross country ski race does with a pursuit type of thing. Uh, where you might start a kid every 15 seconds on the line and then do the team results at the end based upon that. I think there can be some very unique things that can be done with cross-country and still maintain the safety and health and, and those things that are needed. So it's gonna have to, we're going to have to be creative and we're going to have to think out of the box. We've done that already, but this right now, the how, boy, it, that's what's keeping me up at night now uh, because there's a lot of questions to answer. There. Like you said, it's... You, you can go think about the sport, and now how do you return that to play? Mm-hmm. It'll keep you up at night. 
I got one other one about uh, have, how much have you guys looked into um, officiating and if you will have enough officials come fall? Because, I mean, uh, as, as has been a big issue before, the average age of officials is pretty high. So that's your at-risk group. Yes. Are, are, the, are, are a lot of those people still going to be willing to, to do that in the fall? You're right. It's a concern, uh, and and it's certainly uh, we know that that officials are an at-risk population at times. Not not generally, but but it, but from the standpoint of that average age is up there, and we know that experience uh, brings us lots of great officials. And with that, potentially they're going to choose to to say we're not going to officiate this year. Does that mean we're uh, we're going to have to be mindful of that? Absolutely, in our assignments. We are going to have to figure out uh, a way not to burn out the officials we do have. The ironic thing about this, guys, is that we know that our officiating numbers historically have risen in times of financial crises or needs, meaning we believe ultimately COVID potentially could impact us positively on the officials' numbers. Mm-hmm. Now, and then a lot of younger people will suddenly say, I can do this absolutely. and make a little bit of money on the side. Need a, need a second job? Hey. I'll put on the stripes and, and blow a whistle and, and get paid $50 a night to do a JV basketball game when you weren't even thinking about it before. Is that but something, honestly, is, we is, hope that might be a byproduct of this. Is that something you're prepared to advertise when in, on marketing platforms and say, like, oh, we have all these jobs in officiating, come do this? No doubt. Uh, definitely. And our officials associations have done a great job already reaching out to people in their areas. But we believe that when sports do start, that that's going to be an area of need. Uh, and, and surely those officials aren't going to be necessarily ready for prime time immediately, but they're going to be able to get into the mix of being trained and, be, and getting some games and getting some experience and maybe some lower levels and then ultimately get back into the game at a higher level. I, I want to go back for just a second. I know you said that, uh, you know, the why kind of keeps you up at night. And I, I guess I want to ask you, what, what, like, what, what is that nightmare? What is that, what is that big one that you guys have, haven't been able to skirt yet, that you guys have had issues trying to get around? You know, I think uh, a couple for me personally as well as for us, I think, as an association. One is this is what we do. We do athletics. We do sports. It's tough to do our jobs without sports, uh, let's be honest. And so there's a concern there. there there's a real concern there uh, for our livelihoods, but more importantly for the kids in schools that we serve. We take great pride in that, and when you're not able to do that, it, it's really scary. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I think the other thing, to be honest, is that we worry about how this could potentially impact high school sports. I worry about it personally as a father of one high schooler now and two soon to be, that those opportunities that I had as a high school athlete and a coach and then an AD potentially could be taken away because now we push high school sports outside of the school. and for profiteers potentially take over mm-hmm. the travel teams, the AAU, and fill the void that potentially could be left if high school sports doesn't start. Yeah, I worry about that. Those are those are two real concerns. Um, I was my ten-year-old son plays baseball down here in in the Lansing area. He had a tournament this weekend downstate. I watched where several hundred people gathered around baseball diamonds and watched ten-year-olds play baseball all weekend long i worry that that's the norm that we're going to have not that there's anything bad about that but then that potentially pushes kids out of the sports world of the the options that high school sports provide our communities mm-hmm. that it becomes less about 
representing your community and school and more about just getting opportunities to play and parents doling out hundreds of dollars so that Johnny or Julie can get an opportunity to serve a volleyball. Mm-hmm. I, I worry about that. Now, just one more question for you, Cody. I know that we, we kind of talked about what's next for you guys. Obviously, we didn't quite mention it here, but if you do read my story in the Record Eagle, uh, you'll, you'll get a little bit more information. But the MHSA is going to be meeting again on July 29th to kind of go back over this and do a status report or status update of where you guys are with you guys kind of figuring out what's going on between now and then, not even just with how you're going to present sports, but exactly what's going on around us. What do you guys need in order for sports to go on as scheduled? What, what, is, what is the actual, you know, the, I, I tried to ask you this on Friday, but that tipping point, what, what, what do you need from either the greater community or just from what the government says in order for this to actually happen? Well, ultimately, I believe the short answer to that is everybody gets moved to phase five, much like the Traverse City area is and the UP is. Phase five within the governor's restart plan allows for all activity to resume including competitions, and we can then make a better, more informed decision based upon what the medical experts are saying and where we're at as a state. I'm not sure if that's going to occur, to be honest. Uh, We were hopeful that that might be done, but our numbers have been rising. Our cases have been kind of a little bit now peaks and valleys, a little bit of roller coaster, but ultimately this thing in the next two to three weeks is is going to be determined based upon medical facts. I I don't know anyone's else to say it it's the fact is that our cases our rates of containment those things are going to drive the decisions ultimately as they have for almost everything else in our daily lives and i think that's important to note as we go through this is if we are to return to normal or whatever that new normal is we have to realize that this is a serious thing and we have to realize that things like masking up and and things like being socially distanced and six feet away are important things to stop the spread of this virus. And that's the only way school sports are going to return, in my opinion. I just don't those, – those decisions are, are going to be tough to make any other way if the cases continue to rise and if uh, medical uh, research shows otherwise. I, I just can one kind of follow-up on that, and I imagine this is probably pretty far down on the, the issues that you guys have been talking about, but how does competitive balance figure into it, too? I mean, if you have different areas of the state that are open at different levels, does that affect how much they're able to practice or get in the weight room, do that kind of thing? Yeah. Is that is that much of a factor at all? Yeah, you know, it's, it, it is. It's it's interesting you bring that up, James, because, again, after 20 years of being an athletic director there in Traverse City, I heard often, uh, I used to make the argument, man, we're at such a uh, detriment going back to spring sports because we got started so late because of the snow on the ground and things like that. Well, downstate schools could start really early. It's interesting that that has switched now, that the mm-hmm. North is the first group to start with some of the conditioning aspects of summer conditioning. And some downstate schools are now asking about that a little bit more. And they're saying, wait a minute, why did Traverse City and Marquette and Alpena get to start and we don't? So I do think that there's some competitive balance issues that will come out. Uh, I also will say, again, I think that for the most part, that people understand we're in this together, right? They understand that this isn't a, about one school getting a leg up and and. Uh, well, they're getting in the weight room earlier, they're getting to do some football-specific stuff, or they're getting into the gym earlier. You know, I think people understand that. I think there is going to be kind of that cabin fever mentality that when people are we're, – we're going on past four months of this, and they have been able to do the things they normally do. That's a that's a big issue, and, and 
I think that that coaches are struggling with that. I think kids obviously are are the most impacted by that. All righty, Cody. Well, Cody said it best to all of our listeners. We need to mask up and spread out if we want high school sports here in a few weeks or even in a few months if we have to postpone things. So please, everybody, listen to the assistant director of the MHSAA as I've already came at you all about wearing masks. Please, I want sports in a couple weeks. Cody wants sports in a couple weeks. Everybody (laughs) wants sports in a couple of weeks. So, Cody, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to have you on for part two uh, with the MHSAA, and we hope to hear more from you guys soon, and hopefully it's nothing but good news. I hope the same. I hope we can do a part three, which is a return to sports, guys. That sounds like a plan, Cody. We'll talk to you then. Thank you very much. All right. Bye, guys. Once again, a huge thank you to Cody Inglis from the MHSA for joining us for round two. Hopefully round three is all good news and is for the return to sports, as he said. Only, you know, hopes and prayers coming from this side of things. So... That interview is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's is freaks about fresh meat, bread, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak, yeah. Let's go ahead and talk about this a little bit, fellas. We kind of got some more from Cody. I know I got a lot last week. I want to ask you guys a little bit. I'm just going to kind of run through a couple things to start. One, it seems like what they did with this proposal was completely nix the idea of bringing any semblance of spring sports into the fall. The only thing that will happen this fall is fall sports, if they happen. So that's the one big thing, especially with the governor kind of recommending that. Cody touched on that in the interview. And then the other thing is that it seems as if the way that they've laid out this plan, in my mind at least, is that it is we are going to exhaust every option before we start taking the axe to things. We're going to push this to the very last step. We're going to you know, get that last drop out of the droplet, you know, or whatever it may be, whatever analogy you want to use. They're going to grind this thing all the way down to the very last moment until they have to make that happen. Is that kind of what you took from all this? Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, it, it makes sense to, to wait to make change as much as possible, especially if, if the possibility of swapping seasons is off the table, then you don't have to have baseball players practicing right now to try to maybe get ready for a season in the end of August. So it, it kind of takes out some of those things. I mean, at worst, things are just going to be pushed back so without the the flip-flop it it makes it i think a little bit easier to to be able to do that where you can just push things as far as you can before having to make a decision and and hope that things get better in the meantime too i mean andrew do you what do you think it says that you know the mhsa is kind of i mean at least with size i mean is the biggest state that has came out and straight up said like no we're moving forward as planned we've seen california today like we said say nothing starts with january 1st Virginia, New Mexico, everybody's making these changes, but I feel like Michigan. New York. Is, yeah, New York. Washington, D.C. Big ones, big ones. Michigan is kind of the first, or the biggest of the first to come out and say it like this. I mean, what do you think that says about how they feel about moving forward, especially with all these other states that have made these completely different and drastic decisions? I think Cody said it best. We care more about the Midwest than we do what's happening on the coast. Michigan's a different state. We got a different climate, we got different needs. Um, I look at other states like Illinois, even Wisconsin to some extent. We all have one metropolitan area and the rest of the state's kind of like open out there. I think that California and New York are different in those senses where New York's decision is going to weigh heavily on New York City and L.A.'s decision is going to weigh heavily on whatever, how many cities they have there. Yeah, Sacramento, (laughs) San Diego, San Francisco, L.A., everything out there. Literally in Michigan, half the state's on the other side of the Straits of Mackinac. And you have to consider those when making a decision for the entire state. Yeah, I definitely think that they... 
They're moving forward, and I think the term that I used with them or with Cody last Friday was cautiously optimistic. I feel like that's the best way to kind of talk about our situation because I, we've all kind of been here and kind of talked about this. We all feel like something has to go wrong. There has to be a major hiccup or a big speed bump in this road somewhere. I feel like while they obviously can't plan for everything, the way that they've laid this out for now, at least, it, it gives me as a, as a sports writer some semblance that I know something's going to happen here in the next few weeks. Whatever it may be, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But something is going to happen here shortly. It would be interesting to see what maybe the weirdest that could come out of this. Now that, now that the season flip isn't going to happen, which would have been also just sort of bizarre, um, I think a lot of people were kind of bracing for that, but it would have been really, really weird just to, you know, to have baseball in the fall and football in the spring. But I wonder what happens if, say, numbers downstate don't improve and maybe and get worse here in the next couple of weeks in the, over the next month, and the Northern Michigan and the UP stay the same. Is there a regional do you, approach? Do you say Traverse City and the UP have a football season and have their own state championship, and maybe the rest of the state – plays football in the spring or pushes it back or well they already are prepared. or whatever they're already prepared for regional p- approach when you look at the my safe schools plan the only schools in faith phase five can actually compete the big north mm-hmm. conference is already phase five i've yeah. said i've said that before yeah but i'm saying what if half yeah. the what if basically basically three quarters of the state's teams if their regions don't get improved do they we let... just play these two regions teams and do you have a state championship that's just and it's just regions five or six and eight. Yeah, and that, that's the one thing I, that you bring that up, and you bring out the championships in New York. That's what they did is they they didn't like cancel all sports. They, they you know they're postponing them a bit. They have contingency plans for it. They have to get switched to the spring. But the big thing is that they just canceled all championships that would make people travel across the state and go all over the place. I think mm-hmm. that's radical, but that what also that says is we're going to play a regular season, well, and we're going to put all our effort into making sure that happens. Exactly, and. The, uh, we didn't really get into this with Cody here. If you read the story that I put out last Friday, it's a little bit in there. But that is what the MHSAA, that is one of the top three points that they are dealing with right now in between the release that came out on Friday and eight or nine days from now when they have their next meeting is what do they do with these postseason tournaments? And while we talk about what is it going to look like, there is a good chance that these might just be regular seasons. Uh, you know, coming into next spring, if they, you know, we mm-hmm. talked about having them bleed into the summertime or whatever, I could see maybe championships and stuff happening then. But coming this fall, if we do play, I'm not sure. Once again, I mean, Cody brought up even just 300 kids at a cross-country meet. I mean, I know Andrew's never seen it, but you go to MIS for the cross-country state finals, the entire the, the entire racetrack is filled with people. You realize they lived in track town, right? No, but, but, no, but what, what I'm saying is just well, MIS is a in Michigan International Speedway. It's a racetrack. Oh. That's where they run the state finals. Oh, really? Yes. Cool. Uh, like around the infield. That's sweet. It is completely – there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids there. It's mm-hmm. all four divisions. Everybody goes to the same place. Rimrock is pretty mm-hmm. well known in the Traverse City Circle as uh, just a famous course. And I've seen Midwest now, like qualifier meets where there's – you look down the starting line, and like, you could you you couldn't even hit a golf shot. Like you, my seven iron couldn't even get to the end of that line. Yeah. It's that long. And and like you said, we talked to Cody earlier. Yeah, when we have conference, when there's conference meets for cross country, they can do that. That mm-hmm. isn't that big of a deal. 
But that's going to be the big thing that they weigh over the next couple of weeks. And even into the season, I wouldn't be surprised if there are changes made to postseason competitions as we move along in this. Even if they do set out some sort of plan for postseason competition right away, I would not be surprised if there is a big change midseason depending on how it goes. Because even if they went the, the route of New York, I feel as if, you know, the way, or at least the attitude I got from Cody and that we've gotten from the MHSAA on the regular is that they want to give every one of these opportunities. So as of right now, they would never go, oh, we're going to cancel championships. But they're going to do the same thing. They're going to give a contingency and say, this is, if this doesn't happen by this time, we're going to have to cancel championships. But they're going to do everything that they can to make sure that they're not just going to play a season of sports and then have the opportunity to only play four other teams out of the state. So I don't whatever regionality with a football thing, I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that happens. Oh, I don't think that I think that was an, it's an extreme Just, example. Yeah, if, it's, if something but, crazy could happen. But I could also easily see something where you get to November or October or November and, and it's your postseason in football and there are different regions in the state that are at different phases still. And then when you have a team from Detroit playing a team from Traverse City That's why for the regional just... final. Yeah. That's why I think they'll just not. They won't do it exactly. Like they won't do the state tournaments or at make all. or make every player test positive twice that week or something. Which I, I don't know how and the I, schools can financially pull that off. Yeah, either. and I already asked Cody about that. The MHSAA does not have. They cannot implement some sort of testing regimen for all of the kids that they have. It's it'd be, impossible. It'd be say yeah, it'd be such a, a large scale thing. It's that literally impossible. Yeah. So like it has to go, come down to the schools and their own safety. Here's the problem. Planning for state championships involves so many moving parts with colleges, um, trainers, and people working that day at a facility that is beyond high school sports control. You know, I think you you almost have to plan for a state championship before you plan for a regular season. That's what New York did. Just because there's so many moving parts that go into a state championship event, like you got to get the t-shirts, you got to get the merchandise, you got to have enough people to work the event and where they're going to be on that day. Uh, I, I think they did what they did because... New York has 27 million people in this state, and once again, it takes eight and a half hours to get across the state of New York. That's a large geographic area to spread uh, coronavirus for a state championship. It's about mm-hmm. it's about the travel. It's about bringing huge swaths of communities together, and that would never otherwise meet. That's the thing: is that state playoffs and high school sports bring communities together that would never, would of never ever intersected. We're talking people mm-hmm. in Bay City, Saginaw are playing, you know, people down in Michigan City or Kalamazoo. Or there's people in Traverse City just because Traverse City West is such a big school who have to go all the way down to Detroit to play football games. You know what I'm saying? Like, just the way that it works, that's going to be the issue with state championships. They're going to work through it over the next couple of weeks, which obviously we will hear more on July 29th. Mm-hmm. I don't expect, personally, I know they said that, I don't expect much more to come out of the July 29th meeting. If anything comes out of the July 29th meeting, it's bad stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I think if they if they have to make changes, yeah, then it's then it's bad. Then the, the interesting thing about New York is the the parallels between New York and Michigan. I mean, weather is pretty climate is fairly similar. You've got a similar base as far as one gigantic city, and then the rest a large a lot of the rest of it is rural, in in comparison, really. And then you also have that. Michigan and New York City were two of the huge focal points of coronavirus early on and have gotten way better, whereas now it's southern states getting ravaged. Michigan and New York City look really good, or New York State look really good in comparison. Guys, but, they're talking about no football in Texas. Oh, yeah. I can't even... That, that's well, like, well, Texas is just getting destroyed. Texas, I, Arizona, those southern states are just getting... 
we're here talking about Huge do we think numbers. they're gonna they do we think they should play baseball in the fall? Texas is talking about if we should play football. That's part of their religion there. I mean, I, high school, I, it's high school sport or high school football in general. That's why this is such a big conversation, dude. Like, yeah. fall Friday night lights it's just, isn't just Texas. Like, this is literally like American culture. Yes. Like, the, the ingrained, for, especially for like not even just the kids. If you talk about the age groups of like 16 to 8 or whatever, 14 to 18 or 14 to 19, and then their parents between 45 and 60 or whatever it might be. That is literally like a huge swath of their lives that is constant, regular. And most people have brothers and sisters and other people who play. It's a regular thing. I feel like Texas, if, if football falls in Texas, like, you, like that's the point you're making. If football goes down in Texas, it's like, what are we going to do here? Who knows? But at the same point, the, 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 big, the big thing that Cody brought up about climate, I think that's the thing is that so many other states have a lot more leeway when it comes to playing sports whenever they can. Like he said, California starting on July or January 1st. It's like 62 degrees in California on January 1st. It's like negative 14 in Traverse City. Like it, there's a there's such a stark difference that that's going to be a really big deal. I mean, if if high school football in Texas can be played on January 1st, why not? That segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30 second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's, freak yeah. That means we're diving into our final segment of the day, fellas. Our tri trifecta, kind of sorta. We are gonna run through Major League Baseball, the National Basketball Association, and the National Hockey League. Let you know who we think is gonna come out with the championship trophies in these condensed and weird seasons that are you know gonna be happening. Baseball obviously getting 60 games in. NHL is gonna be running through their playoffs, and so is NBA here. All starting in the next about 10 days. So. We're going to run through and let you know who we think and why, James. I feel like I'm going to start off. We're going to, we, baseball is what we've talked about a lot on this episode. So I think we should start off with baseball. I'm going to go first with just a hot take. And it's just because of what I saw out of them last year. Obviously, we haven't seen baseball in, like, close to a year. But I thought they were on a great upward trajectory, and they have some good veterans. I think – I don't really think this, I guess. But I'm going to put the Minnesota Twins down as the winners of the condensed season. They're going to run away with the AL Central, and before you know it, they're going to sh- surprise everybody and take the take the World Series. I mean, it's a hot take, but... It's a bold pick, Cotton. I know. So, yeah, that works out. Yeah, I like it. You go ahead. What's up What's up with you, James? For MLB, I like the uh, LA Dodgers. I like their, their pitching staff is deep. Kenley Jansen is one of the most dominant closers in the league, and their hitting this year is just going to be ridiculous. Look at their lineup. I mean, yeah, they added Mookie Betts. A lineup that already had Cody Bellinger, Max Muncie, Justin Turner, Justin Turner uh, Corey Seager, Chris Taylor's a good player, Jock Peterson, AJ Pollock. Yeah, but who, who do you got, Andrew? Uh, New York Yankees. The Yankees. The Bronx Bombers. Is it Boone's or AJ Boone? Yeah. He's their manager now. Okay. That tells you how much I low I followed the Yankees. But I know they got Aaron Judge. And that's good enough for me to know that the guy is like, what, 6'10? I mean, don't forget about Giancarlo Stanton. It's, they got a lot of guys. And Acuna. And, I mean, they have a stacked team. The Yankees, there are some teams that you can pick any year where you're like, oh, is this team going to win the championship in their given sport? Because you just know their franchise has a history of championships. All righty, James. Let's move on to the NBA. I know that you were uh, hoping that neither one of us picked your picks. But I think that you guys might have picked the same one. Who do you guys? I think you guys might have. Who do you guys think is going to win this? Well, I sneak. I sneaked to look at uh, Andrew's list and cheater. I had two teams picked actually. 
So it was, I did have the same one, one of the same ones as, uh, as Andrew, but you know, with the bucks, but I'll, I'll talk about my other one, which is the uh, LA Clippers. Ooh. I think that in this shortened condensed season with the very good potential of teams losing a player here or there because of coronavirus infection and stuff like that, depth is going to be more important than ever before. And the Clippers and the Bucks are the two deepest playoff teams. I believe the Lakers are like one or two, one or two positive tests from playing two on five. Basically, basically I get that. I get that. But you think Kawhi comes to LA and just flips the switch like that? He didn't try to. Andrew, I think we kind of prefaced yours, but who do you got winning the NBA title? Well, like James already spoiled my pick, I'm going to go with the Bucks because Eric Bledsoe recently tested positive for COVID-19, opens the door for Frank Mason, G League standout on the Bucks G League team, the Wisconsin Herb, which I think is just an amazing team name of all things. Anyways, you always have to work Kansas, don't you? The what? That was Wisconsin. So you always have to. That was Wisconsin. No, but Frank Mason's from oh, Kansas. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he's also a starting point guard now. Probably or presumably. I don't think that's a positive, though. Really? Well, that they have to use their backup point guard? He's only one of the best G League point guards in the league right now. But Eric Bledsoe is yeah, he's a G only League point one guard. of the best NBA point guards in the league. Look at Devontae yeah. Graham. I do like the rest of their team. No, yeah, I mean the Bucks are the Bucks are outrageous. I mean you got to look at the, the rest of their team is what's going to carry them. It's not going to be Frank Mason. But we're talking Frank, yeah. about Frank Mason's going to be the weak point in that team. But when we're talking about depth, that's what you need is like to have one of the deepest farm yeah. systems in the league. And then the nice part and of it, look at Bledsoe back in a couple of weeks. So at least it's for the beginning. I'd rather have those at the beginning than at the end. Anyways, my pick. I mean, I didn't want to go with the Yankees, I guess, for the easy pick. But I'm going with the Lakers. I know you made a good point that, say, LeBron tests positive for COVID. Uh, what happens in the middle of a playoff scenario when every game counts? They started to build quite a team around LeBron at this point. I mean, Anthony Davis, we've seen it can carry a team. He did it in New Orleans for years. Obviously, LA's a bit different. It's the Western Conference. It's going to be a little mm-hmm. bit harder. But I'm just going to go with LA because I want to see LeBron win it and then – Everybody go ahead and be like, it doesn't count. I, I, I'd like to see the Lakers win it, too. I mean, I, And just, I think if you just put it starting fives, yeah, I'm picking the Lakers. And I would like, to, like him to win it, you know, the year Kobe died and everything like that. I feel like it would be really cool to hang up another banner next to Kobe's that, jerseys and everything like that. That's a cool aspect, too. And that's what I thought about. Like that, that, I mean, that's what I'm going to go with. So I'm down for the Lakers. I'm down for the Lakers. And, Brown and the brow. I had uh... Brown and the brow. That, that could totally be a comic book series. That should be a, like a marketing thing. All right, we got one more sport. We got one more sport. And this is uh, actually just really good news. As of right now, it kind of seems like they're in kind of like the best spot. They've had five rounds of testing with the NHL. The last round, one just came back, and only two out of 800 tested positive. So that's awesome. And they've been practicing and doing things for a little while now. It's been about a month for the NHL. They kind of hopped right back on right there at the end of June. So they're looking like they might be able to get a Stanley Cup out there. Who do we got going and winning it all? I'm taking the Boston Bruins. Kind of seems like an easy pick, but they are still down a little bit. Two years ago, this would have been the easiest thing ever to be like, hey, let's go with the Boston Bruins. But in a short and condensed season, I like them. They have a lot of experience. That I, In the NHL, in the playoffs, I feel like that's what you need. Youth doesn't do you all that much unless it's somebody like Connor McDavid or a young Sidney Crosby or something like that, like a, a, a massive superstar. Otherwise, you need a lot of experience, and I think Boston is that team, especially – not well, just experience, like seasoned vets that have yes. been along the around the league for like ten years. Chop, yeah, chopping, chopping off a few games, or you know, making this like weird schedule. I feel like it isn't going to kind of mess with them. 
they're they've been doing this for so long, but and they've been in the playoffs. Man, I think it's it's almost been ten years in a row. I think I don't even know why that is. It's just because their ice skills, because they've been skating for God knows how long. I I it, it's more or less the speed of the game yeah. and and just just how it is with the NHL. But the only other team I know I you have this. I'm gonna segment segue into your answer here, James. But the only other team I thought about was the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the reason why I thought about them was because of the 2004 lockout. Because I just remember when like that I was I was young, but the lockout happens. We missed basically, you know, half of the season. I think it was more like twenty-five or twenty-seven games or something like that. It wasn't quite half, but the Lightning came in and they just they destroyed everybody that year. They 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 ran away with that, and uh, I think that was the first one in franchise history, actually, with first Stanley Cup for them. But still, shorten year, shorten year. I could see it. Was that not who you were trying to pick, James? Yeah, I'm going Tampa Bay Lightning. They just have organizational depth, which in Every year in the NHL for the Stanley Cup, you have to have four solid lines. You you can't win with two or three lines. You got you got to have your solid three pairs of defensemen, and and they have that. They in spades like their their fourth line is good. Their fifth and sixth defensemen are legit, and uh, you know hopefully Steve Eiserman can do that with the Detroit Red Wings again. Well, it only took him, what, four years down there? Five years? It was a lot faster than anybody anticipated. Yeah. And he's starting with some pretty good pieces in Detroit, where he didn't start off with a whole lot Well, in, if, in Tampa Bay. If the Red Wings, quote-unquote, play it right again this year, we might have three top five picks in a row. That would only be very good for us at this point. Andrew? So I'm going to pick the Vegas Golden Knights out of randomly. They have sizably good odds. Kind of the opposite that Jake talked about with season vets, but... I mean, they have some vets on that team. I didn't think this team would be able to compete for a Stanley Cup two and a half year, about two years ago. What's stopping them from winning a tournament now? I personally, I mean, I'm, I was high on the, the Golden Knights for a while. I actually really like their uh, their whole branding. Like that mm. was like a, I liked that adi- I liked that addition to the NHL when mm-hmm. it came to like mascot and all that type of stuff. I so. did too. The Golden Knights is cool. I was kind of I kind of liked the idea of the team being called the Aces, but. It was kind of too That's too obvious. NFL blitz. That's like too NFL blitz. too blitz. obvious. You know what I mean? Like, just, yeah. That's just like I said. Like the Washington team is that's, that's like, yeah. That's like us saying, like, the, the Washington general. That's just too obvious. That's too much. You know, you can't, you, you didn't put any thought into it whatsoever. But, you know what we did is we put a lot of thought into this episode. We really appreciate you guys for listening. As always, like, share, retweet comment whatever you can do and we will get you fed with some jimmy john subs thanks for listening we'll see you for 136 next week